1: The next time we have a Friday the 13th on the program, we will have researched it very carefully and we will explain that the problem is you'll be sound asleep because you don't work on Friday. Yeah, that's right. I will not be here. So just explain it to me when I get there on Monday and do a <laughs> little Peter Palata bit. Well, it's a Friday and look who's here. Although he's really not here, he's home in his little swanky studio set up somewhere on the... Sims Compound was on assignment Thursday interviewing Trevor Lawrence and also apparently re enlisting in the Marines. Welcome back. Gomer Pyle missed you. What the hell happened to your head? <laughs> yeah, I had to get it trimmed, you know. It's super wild card weekend. Trimmed. You be ready for prime time here. Trimmed? <laughs> like, I think it's a different really, word than trimmed.
3: Well, you know what it is. I think it's because I'm like a little it's I think I slicked it a little extra today because like I was I'm here. Right. So it was like a little it's a little extra wet than normal. It has a little time to like dry off usually by the time I drive to the office and do all that. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's not as short as it actually looks on this screen, but I I don't know. So we'll see. Hopefully it'll grow out a little bit by tomorrow night. I look damn good, though. So fuck yourself with your Gomer pile thing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> do, do you have something like carved in the side? Do you have like number 2 or your wife's initials that, or the New York no, Giants logo? No, but that
3: that used to be a thing for me. Like no question about it, Mike. When I was like early high school years, 7th and 8th grade, I was totally the kid that would have maybe lines or the lightning bolt. I did get my number a few times. My mom and dad were cool enough to let me do that. So, uh, yeah, I did I did sport that for a while.
1: I don't know that cool is the word that I would use to describe that move, but there was a time when I guess it was generally <laughs> it was regarded cool, in right. some circles as not uncool. Joint collaboration, not the kind of joint that Chris is usually recovering from on a Friday That's morning. That's coming tonight. A co <laughs> executed pft pm and chris sims unbuttoned for picks purposes and i'm concerned about this one because when i asked pete now first of all first of all we moved it today and i completely fucking forgot we were doing it like i almost wasn't here i got a text from pete at 10:05. are you running late and i thought he texted the wrong person like what running late for what i completely forgot that we were doing this
3: well, thank you very much. But um, yep, I was here. I it's not against you. I just no. I, I just I forgot. Know. I know it's all. We're we're creatures of, of routine. Like, uh, you are old, but I, I you're like me. Uh, we're very detailed. I think in our schedule and maximizing and efficiency in our day. And I, I this is throwing me for a loop too. Yeah, I mean uh, it was awesome though. Let me just say this: going down, seeing Trevor Lawrence. I think that'll be a cool little piece. Uh, it's worth doing that to kick this back and work on a Friday. Uh, I could deal with it for Super Wildcard weekend.
1: And, you know, no matter which week of the season it is, from week one through week 18 through the playoffs, whatever, every Monday is the same, every Tuesday is the same, every Wednesday is the same, you get the point. And Friday for me, do the show 7 to 9. I got 15 minutes before my friend Joe Rose, who is on the call for the Dolphins games dials me up for his show on WQAM in Miami. I've been doing that for 15 years, 9.15 to 9.30. After that, have a little coffee, have a little breakfast, work on the site, copy, paste, snarky comment. I get the text from Pete, and I'm like, what, what, Pete, you okay? So, yeah, wrench thrown into my Friday morning, but the good part is we get to talk about some football, some wild card games, and I also get to uh, point out that for the regular season, I am the champion of the world. 176-90-2, 160-106-2, 176 to 92 160 106 and 2 16 game lead through 18 weeks of action stop the fight he's already dead and and the one hope that you had Chris best bets oh no i went 3 and 0 for the first time it took 18 weeks but i finally went 3 and 0
3: Good job. Way to go. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what else to say. I really am. I'm I'm hoping I can come back here with these uh, best bets. We'll see. I only got a few left. I mean, what do we got? Five best bets left? Uh, We've got to pick the Super Bowl. I mean, one of those got to be a best bet, right? I mean, we're going to pick the game when that comes out. So there's six best bets left, I, I would hope, but... Uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I'm trying, embarrassed. Yeah, That's all no, I, I don't can know. say.
1: We're going to take that under advisement as to whether or not the Super Bowl <laughs> automatically is the best bet because it's not like you get to choose it. Let me just say this, though. If, uh, I mean, I had a good year. I had a good year. I'm I'm happy with how I did straight up. If you listen to me for Moneyline purposes, y- you're welcome. You made a little money. but But the thing I am most proud of, which is completely irrelevant to anything, out of 271 games, four times this year... I got lucky and picked the score right on the money most recently, and it wasn't accurate on our graphic, which is fine. Accidents happen. 28-13 to 13 was the score that I saw on our graphic for 49ers Cardinals. I had picked 38-13, to 13, which was the actual score, and I didn't even realize it until yesterday. Usually I, I kind of get that. It's like, boy, that sounds familiar, and I go back and look. The most I'd ever had in a year was one. It's just pure dumb luck, and we know what football scores kind of look like. We get, you know – there isn't a gigantic range of numbers, but, but still, I, you know, it's, it's, it's luck informed luck, but a lot of luck. And, uh, uh, next year I'm going to try to get five. I've set the bar with four next year. I'm going for five.
3: Way to go. You're like Tom Brady chasing the next ring. You could do it, man. Way to go. That's All right. right. Let's talk some football. Cause I oh, no, can't yeah. wait to talk about some football. I, I, we got giants Vikings on the slate this weekend. I can't wait for that game. Are you coming up this week? Are you going to be in the studio for both no. shows?
1: No, I'm not. No, ah, no, I won't be there. Damn. I'm yes. disappointed. We already had this really discussion. We already had this discussion. I am going to be there because I'm going to have to fucking listen to you for three hours. You like it at Kirk and Cousins. You don't like it at Kirk and Cousins. Cool. gee, man, all your routines. You're like one of those dolls with a string. You got eight different things you say, and you'll be saying them over and over again for three fucking hours on Sunday. Yeah, I'm glad I agreed to come up.
3: Yes, great. Um, It's awesome. I feel better now. Um, It's okay working both days of the weekend now that you're here, especially Sunday. I need that. We need that little camaraderie at 430 on Sunday. I got to talk some shit to you. It's going to be fun. Let's go.
1: But see, here's the thing, and you know me well enough to know I don't say anything during. I won't say a word to you. I won't get up and say, I like it at Kirk of Cousins. I keep my mouth shut because I know it can all blow up. Uh, and then it's even worse when you get it back. So I don't say a damn thing, and you won't stop. And that's, you know, <laughs> that, that may be why I I, uh, I find something that I can uh, uh, consume. Maybe bring me some of your stash so I can mellow out for Sunday afternoon. All yeah. right, let's start with Saturday I like to see afternoon. I see that. Seahawks at the 49ers. Santa Clara, rain, wind, equalizing things. Who knows? I'm stunned by this line of nine and a half points. Two teams from the same division. I know the 49ers have won 10 in a row, but the Seahawks have greatly overachieved. Pete Carroll knows this team well. I think this could be a very entertaining game. And, yeah, the weather may make it less entertaining, but in some ways it could make it more entertaining. Chris, what do you think of this one?
3: Yeah, I, well, you're right. It can. I, I never like the weather in these type of games. First off, there's a lot of big play playmakers in the game, and sometimes the weather, muddy field takes away from that. I do think, you know, I remember in week one this year, I thought the the Bears played the 49ers and I thought, well, this will probably be good. The 49ers, it'll make them run the ball. They can overpower the Bears and do all that. But what it did and what I think would actually handicap really the 49ers, if it does rain, is it slowed them down. The 49ers are one of the fastest teams in football, if not the fastest. So the the a slow track is is doing them a disservice i think more than the seattle seahawks now the other flip side of that conversation is the 49ers are bigger up front and better up front on both sides of the ball too so they should be able to you know win the line of scrimmage more times than not but mike i hear what you're saying here you know i think the the spreads that way but it's like a tricky spread right because the over under at, at at 42 tells you they're thinking what it's a A 21-10 type of game, 21-13, you know, 24-14, somewhere in that range where I could see it being 17-14 late in the fourth quarter and the 49ers having to go drive down to put the game away. Here's some of the things that, that I think, you know, why it's nine and a half and this is where you know I'll, I'll ask you and your opinion too. The Seahawks have to change their offensive approach. After watching those games back from earlier this year, both of their matchups, it, it's too conservative. It's too get the ball out real quick because they're worried about the offensive line, Mike. It's a real issue for them. They know they can't block the 49ers. But within that, okay, throwing five-yard routes and letting the 49ers blitz and drop out and just play downhill all the time It did a disservice to the Seahawks in both games. they got to change their approach a little bit here and be a little more aggressive. they got to keep some people in, block them up, take some shots down the field with with Lockett and uh, Metcalf, and back the 49ers off a little bit. And I think that will help out their run game too. Uh, So that's one area I look at in the game to go, that's got to change. The Seahawks are a big play team, right? We love watching them. Geno's got a big arm, and that's the thing – I'm most intrigued by if they can make a few plays on that side of the ball, I go, Ooh, things might get interesting, but they have not done it at all in two matchups, Mike. And you know, what do you think? You think that they can come up with a game plan to, you know, maybe hit a few big plays like the dolphins did or the the Raiders did, or the chiefs did against this 49ers team.
1: Well, I would carefully study everything the Raiders did against the 49ers because they put up a lot of points with Jared Stidham at quarterback, but also the fact that you've got two prior games of film you can go back to and pick apart and try to come up with a creative game plan that is different than what they expect. I love that aspect of it. And one thing that the Seahawks saw defensively, and Clint Hurt talked about this, he's their defensive coordinator, the play in overtime where Van Jefferson was wide-ass open and Condray Diggs got over to pick the ball off. Hurt said they had an eight-man protection. It was a two-man route. And they've got guys. If you're going to do a two-man route Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are two pretty good guys to give the assignment to keep everybody else in and let them run by whoever throw it to one of them and see what happens. Take your chances. Roll Geno Smith out to buy some time like you do or used to do with Russell Wilson. You know, the, the reality is single elimination season on the line I think you should have a different approach to everything.
3: Agreed. You're not thinking about
1: next week. You're thinking about right now. What do we have to do right now to score more points in this team? And, and, and Chris, here's a fascinating wrinkle too, as it relates to how much of the tank you want to empty for the Seahawks. Fuck empty it all. Right? Exactly. You weren't supposed to be here. You, you already have won by making it to the playoffs. You get the icing on top of the cake and the cherry on top of the icing, and the icing on top of the cherry by beating the 49ers. You don't need to be thinking about, gee, what are we putting out here on film that we could save for the divisional round game like the 49ers may be thinking as they plan out this one. For the Seahawks, man, throw everything at them. We'll worry about next week if next week comes. we got to get to next week before we have to worry about next week. I think that's a dangerous wrinkle to this one, too.
3: I, I agree, I, because they're going to have to watch the game, Mike, I think to what you're saying, watch both games back and go, wait, we, we can't play this way again. We have, really have no chance. It was right in the wheelhouse of the 49ers defense, you know, I, and I hope I explained it right, but you know, they made it so simple too, even formation-wise, and then with the quick throws, the 49ers just got to play downhill, and then you know how the 49ers stand people up at the line of scrimmage a little bit, and they drop out and play these zones you know, with short routes and getting the ball out of your hands quickly, too, you know, when, when they show those blitzes and you think, oh, wait, our short route's going to work, and then they drop out, there's nothing there. So I don't think they did themselves, you know, justice that way. Keep a tight end on the right. Put three receivers to the left. You know, keep that tight end in the back end. Let the three receivers go down the field. you got a seven-man protection. Those are some ways that I talked about in my podcast that I think they can, you know, give them some issues. You know Now, the other side of the ball, Mike, uh, I, I will say this, and and you know I'm getting the feel that you think the Seahawks can keep this close in this football game. The Seahawks defense does not need to change much. You know, I know at first look people are going to look at it and go, well, you know the stats were pretty good in that football game against the last one on Thursday night when they went up there to Seattle. But the Seattle defense, they, they hung in there. They have the right approach. They understand how to defend some of the Shanahan run game. You know. On third downs, we've talked about it the last few weeks. They're very creative with exposing protection, playing coverage in the back end. They got a good secondary. And when you really break that game down, right, let's break – they had – the 49ers really went on like one drive, I would say, the whole football game to score points. Now, they had the drive of the third quarter where Kittle was wide open for the touchdown on the left corner, right, and he caught the ball and he ran down the sideline and cut back. That was a blown coverage. Right? So, I mean, I, I don't expect them to blow or ruin cover three, which is what they were playing there. And, and Tariq Woolen just made a mistake. I think he was in man to man. Everybody else was playing cover three. They had another touchdown right on a five yard drive after the running back homer fumbled. They returned it down to the five or six yard line. So there's some positives to look at here. And, you know, the Seahawks defense, they, they know how to run blitz and create some key, uh, chaos that way. And they got some guys in the secondary that can be dangerous. If they can get them into second and long and third and long, the Seahawks, I do think, can make some plays and make some things very interesting in this football game, on the defensive side at least.
1: Well, and that's the other important wrinkle here, Brock Purdy in his first playoff game. It's one thing to come in and – continue to sail the ship through relatively smooth waters at the end of the regular season. Now it all changes. Everything you've done is riding on what happens in this three hour window on Saturday afternoon in Santa Clara. And if they're able to take away enough of the run, create second and long third and long, create obvious passing situations. Is he going to be able to make good decisions? Is he going to make a mistake or two along the way? I think a lot of it hinges on the ability to neutralize the running game. Debo Samuel, if he's back and effective. Christian McCaffrey had 100 yards rushing against the Seahawks on that Thursday night game. And, you know, the final score, 21-13, suggests it was closer than it was. It was 21-6 until the final 335. And, hell, it was 21-3 with six minutes left. So the the Seahawks scored some points late that made the game closer than it was. But I think you're absolutely right. They can, you know, if you keep the 49ers in the neighborhood of 20 points – you got a chance if you can score some. That's going to be the key. Right. Can the offense score some points? And, and the weather, you know, the weather's a factor for both teams. I get it. But to the extent that it takes away the absolute high-end talent, that high-end differential, it does help the Seahawks because the 49ers overall are better. And think back to week one when the 49ers lost to the Bears yeah. in that driving rainstorm at Soldier Field. The That's Bears won saying. two other games right. all year long. So that could right. help the, the Seahawks if it ends up being really wet. I, I still can't get a firm grip on how much it's going to rain during the game. Um, and I don't know how torrential it's going to be. I mean, there's a difference between rain and just like that driving nonstop in your face distraction type rain. But we'll see. But if it, if it happens, if the, if the heavens completely unload on this game, that gives the Seahawks an edge. I, I've been saying the past couple of days, Chris, I think the Seahawks have a one-in-five chance of winning this game. And if you would put five cards in front of me and I had a one-in-five chance of picking a winner, that's 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 not an unreasonable hope for the Seahawks. I think they have a chance. I mean, it's most likely the 49ers win, but I think the Seahawks have yeah, a chance. Yeah, you said it. Them.
3: I hear you. You said it. You said it right. The 49ers are the better team. We know that. But it's the NFL and – and, and the Seahawks got some fucking dangerous guys on their team that can, that can change a game with a play, forget scheme or anything else. So what do you got? Let me hear your score. Where are you going here?
1: Well, I, I, actually, I actually published my picks yesterday at profootballtalk.com because we didn't take the day off to go with I know. Trevor Lawrence. Right. We published our picks. Yeah. I've got the 49ers winning 27-21. to 21.
3: That's my score. Okay, I'm uh, I'm 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 on the same. I'm I'm close to you here. I'm gonna go 24-20. I I, I could I kind of feel like this game will be close, Mike. I think it'll be kind of like 17-13. I can kind of see the 49ers scoring a touchdown midway through the fourth quarter, go up 24-13. Seattle drives down one more time, kind of like they did in this last matchup. Score, make it 24-20. But I'm with you in that one and five comment there. You know it is. It's I don't if the game is played clean on both sides of the ball, the 49ers will win. But if the Seahawks can get a strip sack fumble or a Tariq Woolen interception, and maybe you know one or two bombs down the field to Lockett or Metcalf, this thing could get interesting. And I do think the 49ers and Brock Purdy could feel the pressure if it gets close and late in the fourth quarter. And that's where uh, we'll all be tuned in and interested to see how it goes.
1: And that's the key. Before we move on to the next game with Purdy, we just don't know what he's going to do in the playoffs. Look at the comments from Joe Burrow. He becomes a different guy in the postseason. He says, you've got to be arrogant. You've got to go out and take it. Maybe Purdy will be, or maybe he'll be a guy that seizes up under the enormity of the moment. He's done nothing so far to make us think he would be that way, but he's yet to play in a win or go home game. He Got involved yeah, this is a different time animal. when everything was clicking for the 49ers. This is one of those days. Right. And this is why, even though, Chris, I say throw out the records, forget about it when it's time to go to the playoffs, when you've had a really good season, I just think that just it, it, it creates, I think, an even greater sensitivity to continuing it. To not, you know, you lose now, it feels like more of a failure than it would have been. And it creates more questions. If they would lose this game, you know, right now everybody's thinking, oh, Brock Purdy's the guy next year. Well, they lose this game to the Seahawks. Who knows who the quarterback is next year? Who knows whether or not they would finally respond favorably to any overtures they may get from Tom Brady. I think a lot's riding on this game, not just for this year, but what the 49ers do at quarterback next year. All right, next game. And help help me make sense of this because – the Jaguars in week three before the Jaguars really got to where they are now. They went to LA and they kicked the shit out of the chargers 38 to 10. So both teams qualify for the playoffs. The chargers come to Jacksonville and the chargers after losing at home to the Jaguars 38 to 10. And I know it's been a long time, but it was this year. It wasn't last year. The, the chargers are favored by two and a half points. How does that happen?
3: That's a great question. I I, I don't get that either. Well, I, I do. I do get it. The Chargers have become the media fan like darling, the team that could upset everything and make a run. So I think that's where it comes from. And then Herbert's definitely one of the five best quarterbacks in football. I think that makes people jump on the bandwagon there. You know, they do have some big names, right? So I'm guessing that's where the logic and the money is on the Chargers. And in totality, okay maybe the chargers are better in totality maybe they're set up to make a deeper run in the playoffs that doesn't mean they're set up to win this football game this is a matchup league like we talked about i think this is a very tough matchup for the los angeles chargers i do you know here's here's my first thing i'll say mike just right off the bat like strengths and weaknesses right the, the you know we know the weakness of the chargers one of their biggest weaknesses is run defense right well, the Jaguars can run, right? You know, what's the one of the weaknesses of the Jaguars? It's their run defenses too. But the Chargers can't run, right? So there's some things here that line up to go, ooh, that's advantage Jaguars to where I think make this very interesting. And my big point, Mike, when I really broke this game down a little in my podcast is, you know, one thing that jumps out to me about the Chargers is they – if you're just a great passing team, right – and you throw it they're, – they're great in those, those instances. Like we saw against the Miami Dolphins when they knew, oh, wait, there's not a run game we have to worry about. I can just devise a pass defense to do that. That's great. If you're just a great running team, they're great at that too. They'll, they'll, they'll go all in on that and, you know, find a way to defend the run. And usually some of those great running teams are very simple with their pass concepts, and then they figure out how to cover that as well off of it. But history shows this year when you have balance, the Chargers defense struggles. And almost every loss they've had, you know, other than Chiefs in week two, which were not a balanced offense at that time, the Jaguars that you talked about balanced, dominated them a football game, the Seahawks, right? They're balanced. And at that time of the year with Kenneth Walker and stuff, they were you throwing bombs, running for 70 yard touchdowns, doing it all. The 49ers, pretty good balance there, right? The Chiefs, the second time. The Chiefs did have balance. That's when Pacheco ran for over 100 yards, and they started to dabble in, we're going to be smash-mouth football. And, of course, the Raiders. And I think the Jaguars posed some of those problems for this Chargers defense. You know, what, 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 you, what do you think about that, that matchup there, the Jags offense versus that Chargers D?
1: Well, I mean, it all hinges on Trevor Lawrence. And the thing that fascinates me the yeah. most about this game. Yeah. And, and I thought of this from the moment it locked in last week. Because we've got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes clearly the best two quarterbacks in the NFL. You've got Joe Burrow a half-click below them. Right. And we just assume Justin Herbert is in there, too. This is Trevor Lawrence's opportunity. And I know that they're not on the field at the same time, but we know how it goes. How do you do in the head-to-head showdown? And. Trevor Lawrence has already beaten the brakes off of him once, and I know he was injured then. It was the first game after he suffered the rib, whatever it was. I don't think we've ever gotten the truth as to how serious it was and and when he finally was recovered from it, if he even is. But this is a great chance for Trevor Lawrence to really establish himself. Look at all those guys from the 2021 first-round class. And we thought Justin Fields had emerged as the best of the best. Mac Jones was the one who went to the playoffs last year. Right now, Trevor Lawrence is on the brink of establishing that the guy taken first is clearly the best of the bunch. You, you beat Justin Herbert. You know, the thing about Justin Herbert when he gets in these settings, and I think back to week 18 a year ago, the Sunday night game against the Raiders and how he's converting those fourth downs. And there's just, yeah, he lets it rip about Justin Herbert that happened that night. Th- th- that's what I'm, I'm looking at. So look, from the Chargers standpoint, I hope Mike Williams is available. I have a feeling he's not going to be. I have a feeling this questionable label they've put on a guy who didn't practice all week after suffering a back injury in a game he shouldn't have been playing in is all about saving a little face to make Brandon Staley look not as bad for putting his starters out there as long as he did in a game that was meaningless and that they lost anyway. But you know, if they don't have Mike Williams, that changes things. And from the Jaguars' perspective, I like what they're doing on both sides of the ball. It's not overpowering. It's not beautiful. It's not great to show on turf, but it is freaking effective. It's getting it done. It's scoring points. It's being opportunistic. They're down against the Titans. They find a way. Whenever they need to, they find a way. And, I, you know, we said this at one point during the year. It's kind of like the transformation we had to go through with the Bengals last year. We're so used to seeing the uniform and associating with bad team you have to you have to rewire your brain, yeah. to see that uniform right. and think good things are happening for the guys who are wearing it
3: I think that I think that's probably why the line is you know two and a half to the chargers, the stigma around the jaguars. I think what you said about Trevor Lawrence that's real, and I think Trevor Lawrence is kind of on the fringe uh you know of the top five quarterback I think he's kind of gotten there at least close you know just, just off the top of my head I mean I think he is maybe six seven in football right now and I do just talking to him yesterday he's very aware of the upper echelons of quarterbacks in football and where they are and he wants to be there He he was pretty clear in stating that to me so yeah it's a big game for him I'm excited to see both of these guys go at it and you know the I guess one of the things I look at to be the determining factor, especially with the Mike Williams injury, if that's real, uh, because you said right about the Jaguars, the Jaguars got good system on both sides of the ball and they got playmakers on both sides of the ball. So they can kind of beat you both ways where like we saw in the Titans game, well, we just need somebody to get a sack and a strip and somebody pick it up and make a play. And they can do that to your point. We've seen that kind of throughout the year in some big moments, but if the, if the chargers can run the ball a little bit, then I start to go, ooh, uh-oh, wait, this could this could end up being high scoring, and we'll see where it goes. But I I don't expect that, and I do think this Jaguars pass rush is pretty good. Tyson Campbell is one of the best corners in football that no one knows about. I think he can match up with a guy like Mike Williams if healthy or Keenan Allen and really give them a, some issues there. Uh, so hey, Mike. All in all, I'm going to make my pick here. I'm going Jags. All right, I'm going Jags thirty to twenty three. I think it is a close game. I think the Jags score like a late touchdown to to win the football game. But uh, I like them. I think they match up really well with the Chargers.
1: I locked in yesterday at Jaguars 24-21. I still don't understand how they're, they're underdogs. And I really do think it's perception more than reality. This is one of those opportunities for the folks out there who are inclined to bet to maybe jump on the better team. And uh, even if the Chargers social media team decides to use these words against us next week, have at it. They did write a hell of a check with that video. They wrote a hell of a check with that video uh, because now they better win this week or that video they put out there is going to look pretty damn foolish. And <laughs> well, yeah, takes, we'll have fun takes with it. It takes some cojones. It takes some cojones to put that out there when you're getting ready to play a team that beat you in your own building 38 to 10. That is a gutsy move. By the Chargers social media team. So I, we're We do the like them, though. So I hope they can everything. take it. Right, right.
3: I hope yeah, they can I'll, take it as well, good as they can give it. Because I mean, we're, we're going to give it a little if it, it doesn't work out right.
1: <laughs> I still have a conceptual and theoretical issue with teams getting upset when those of us who are paid to comment on the NFL for a living point out that they were bad when they were bad. It's not like we were saying they're bad when they were good. We were saying they're bad when they were bad. And they got better and we said so. So, I mean, how many teams are wire-to-wire great? Every team goes through a stretch where you could isolate someone saying, man, they suck, and at the moment they did. And now they don't. We're not saying it now. Of course, we are saying they're going to lose to the Jaguars, so maybe that's the same thing.
2: This is the showdown we've been waiting for.
0: There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock.
1: All right, let's go to Sunday. Poor, poor Skyler Thompson. I, you know, my, my analysis of this game. In our PFT picks, consisted of Josh Allen versus Skylar Thompson. Sometimes you don't need to say anything more than that, and that's pretty much what it yeah. comes down to. I know that uh, uh, Mike McDaniel <coughs> with the running game and Tyree Kill and blah blah blah. It's Josh Allen versus Skylar Thompson in Buffalo in January, and it's a 13-point spread, the biggest ever for the Wild Card round. And I'm surprised it's not more. Chris with Tua Tonga, Iloa Dolphins have a chance with Skylar Thompson. I don't see it. Am I missing something? I don't see it either. I don't. You know, I I mean, they're going to have
3: to play a game of running the football, screens, reverses, control the clock, hope that their defense can make a few plays and maybe Josh Allen will do something stupid to keep it close, I think. You know, to be in a one-score game in the fourth quarter, I think all those things will have to happen, right? But, man, this this is an uphill battle going up there, playing in those elements. We know that stadium's going to be crazy. It's the first time in a few weeks that the Bills are going to have a normal, proper week where they can prepare for a football game, right? The Dolphins have a propensity to be too aggressive on the defensive side of the ball, which I don't know why they go a little too aggressive at times. So, yeah, I, I don't really see a path unless it's just some absolute dumb Josh Allen stuff and then Mike McDaniel can have a few trick plays that he can dial up that screw over the Bills defense but I I, yeah and all in all I think this is a tough a tough one and off of that you know I I they they, the, the RPO game has been lost you know ever since the Chargers kind of figured out how to stop the RPO game that is Slowed down. They're not the same attack. The Chargers crapped all over the RPO game. The Packers kind of crapped all over the RPO game. So it's been a big element that made this offense explosive through the, the first three quarters of the year. That's not really an element of their offense right now. And, you know, that stinks for them. I, I'm just going to pick the game, Mike, and just go. Bill's 31-14. I don't think we need to discuss this a whole lot. I think it's a close 31-14 for a little while, but Bill's eventually just, you know, pull away.
1: Yeah, that's the closest thirty one fourteen I've ever seen. Uh thirty four seventeen is my score. Again, that's the number that I've already locked in. Hand has been off the checker for nearly twenty four hours. We are on the same page. Yet again, it's gonna be hard for you to gain any ground on me when we are identical in both. Why do you stop? We know you're not selections. cheating.
3: Stop saying that your hands off the checker. We know you're not cheating. You're good. Don't worry. I just, you, I you're just, saying it you, so you much know. that you're making you me know. wonder if you are
1: cheating. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe I will. Maybe I'm trying to set you up for when I change my mind at some point later in the process. So look, I, I my, 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 biggest point of curiosity as a football fan is whether or not we're going to see DeMar Hamlin come out of the tunnel in his number three Jersey on Sunday and what a lift that'll give to the team. Not that they need another lift. That's the thing. They're, They're good enough to win this game easily and they should. And if they don't, if, if, if they blow this game, man, there are going to be some people who are pissed off in Buffalo, including people who hold the keys to the Buffalo bills franchise. Not that anyone's in any trouble, but this is the kind of game where if they screw this up, Holy crap, there's going to be some tough questions to answer come Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and days to come after that. I just can't imagine it happening. The Bills are too good, and the Dolphins, without Tuatonga vailoa are just a different team. All right, here's the one. Here it is. Rematch of the Christmas Eve game. Whiteout condition in Minnesota. The 61-yard field goal from Greg Joseph to win it 27-24 to avoid overtime. Giants pissed off. Giants salty. Giants coming back. First playoff game since 2016. First playoff meeting between these two teams since 2000 when the Giants won 41 to nothing. You were there. I'm glad I wasn't. I kind of wish I was going to be at this one. Although, then again, I don't know how it's going to go. I really don't know how this one's going to go, Chris. And you've been very confident about the Giants. I think you're going to pick them to win. I think this is where we part ways on our agreements.
3: Well, definitely. I'm definitely going the Giants. I think there's some interesting things about the matchup here for us to unpack, though. You know? Well, well, like, well, where do you want to start on this one? You want to go Vikings over Giants D, or do you want to go the, you know, the other way around? What, what's, what's your what's, – where do you want to go? What's, I want to throw some questions I, out at you and stuff.
1: Yeah. All right, here, here's something I want to run past you. This is something Peter King said today on PFT Live. I hadn't thought about this, but, but he pointed out the last time they played, Daniel Jones ran the ball four times for 34 yards. And Peter predicts there's gonna be seven designed runs. And it made me think of something we've talked about with Josh Allen. You keep him safe in the regular season, playoffs come around, you unleash him. Daniel Jones has never played in a playoff game. And there is no tomorrow for the Giants. No, this is like the Seahawks 49ers game. The Vikings thinking we win this game, we gotta hold something back, we got a big matchup. Giants say, screw that. We just wanna win a playoff game. We haven't won a postseason game since we won Super Bowl forty six. Let's go do whatever we have to do. We'll worry about next week when next week comes. The idea of Daniel Jones taking off, designed runs, riddling that defense, which isn't very good as it is, that's a scary proposition. Hopefully Ed Donatel and Kevin O'Connell are given serious consideration to the possibility that they're going to see a lot of Daniel Jones running.
3: Yeah, I I think they got to be expecting that. It's something I kind of broke down on my Wednesday podcast that jumped out to me when I kind of watched this game back on Tuesday and really studied it. Yeah, that's a big element of the football game. Now, there was a few times where – You know, they ran the read option, and I went, ooh, the Vikings are ready for it. We'll see. But to me, you know, that aspect of the game was something that I think the the Giants dropped the ball. Giants offense versus Vikings defense. I think the one thing the Giants will look back at that game and go, we got pass happy, right? And we've talked about this. The Vikings are so bad at pass defense that even when they play obvious pass defenses, teams are like, we're still going to throw it. We don't care. They're not good at it. You know, we're going to just throw it. But they're not good at run defense either. And one of the things I wrote in my notes is, it's like, don't fall in the trap against the Vikings. Do what you're best at. And to me, Daniel Jones throwing the ball 42 times is not what the Giants really want to do. Saquon Barkley ran the ball with success. We saw Daniel Danny Dimes run the ball with success, not with the quarterback design runs, but on some scrambles. But I think they got a little two-pass happy, especially early on in the football game. I do think it's going to be a little bit more run game boots, quarterback design runs just play action pass and kind of play within that framework right there instead of maybe in this last game where it was a little too much drop back pass centric which I don't think necessarily favors the Giants and and also I'll say with that Evan Neal had issues with Daniil Hunter in that first matchup that's another reason I'd go let's run the ball and and bootlegs and play actions and do that so that's where I think the Giants could change their approach a little bit and give the, the Vikings defense some issues that, that we talked about you know, is not very good. And when I mean, you really look at it, you go, "Man, you know the, the, the Giants offense, they, 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 even though they didn't even play their best, they had their way with the Vikings defense kind of throughout. And then when you take in the Bellinger fumble and, you know, on the fringe red zone, Daniel Jones in field goal territory, you know, Patrick Peterson, great interception, but those are mistakes we don't see the Giants usually make. You know, a block punt late in the football game. So there were some crazy things there that that swayed the momentum to the Vikings, but I didn't necessarily come away from the game going, ooh, the Vikings played better than the Giants, that's for sure.
1: No, and it was the classic Vikings win. They've had 11-1 score wins this year, most ever in league history. Uh, They don't have a one-score loss this year. They kept it close. They were up 10. They blew the lead. They took the lead. Then they blew it again. The Giants scored late, got the two-point conversion, and the Vikings did just enough to get into the fringe field goal range, and Greg Joseph nailed it. It was a little screen pass to Justin Jefferson on third and very long that got them in position for the 61-yarder. So, um, look, Vikings defense, we know what it is. It's bend, but don't break, and sometimes it breaks. And uh, if the Giants offense can make it break, they can break the thing open. I've been saying all week, the Giants are either going to win or the Vikings are going to win their playoff games by two to four points or lose the lose one by 20 to 40. And that's going to come at some point between now and the Super Bowl. It feels inevitable. And it may happen this week. Maybe the Giants come out and jump on them early and the Vikings can't recover. And that's just it, like it was back in January of 2001 at uh, the old Giants stadium. So... Well, it, what's Look, interesting is both these teams the, like playing one-score games.
3: You know, that's what's kind of cool, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both very comfortable in that, and obviously you guys have had better success, but, you know, I think the Giants, that's right in their wheelhouse as well. So that, that's where it's interesting. And, and Mike, I was going to ask you, you know, flipping it around with the Vikings offense, uh, the, the, I, in my assessment in the first matchup, they dropped the ball and not running it more. Uh, They got, they totally fell in the trap of pass happy. And I got to think they're going to look at that and just go, wait, as long as we don't run at Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And I think Leonard Williams is still kind of questionable. If I remember correctly here, as far as injury status, but as long as they didn't run at those two guys, they had success running the football. I mean, Dalvin cook and Madison ripped off some good runs. The, the, the Vikings fell in the trap a little bit too, of dropping back and throwing the ball. And, Really, you know, Wink Martindale found a lot of cool ways because the Vikings are a team that's, you know, uh, not overly complicated or creative on the offensive side of the ball but have all the good basics and they can play within that and they execute really great. But Wink Martindale found ways to kind of blitz and also play zone coverages, which the Giants like to play, man, but played zones and kind of had people in the right area. I do think, like, The Giants can live with the stat line of the Vikings offense from that first matchup. Like if Justin Jefferson has 12 targets for 133, I think that's a a win for the Giants. I I do. Even with Hawkinson at 13 for 109, where I would be worried if it got to like 6 for 170, then I'd start to go, oh crap, they made a bunch of big plays all day long, and they were down in the red zone, and the Giants didn't win, so... I'm interested to see that Vikings approach a little bit because dropping back the pass, too, Mike, you know this. Your interior part of your O-line can't protect, right? And Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams just push people back into Kirk Cousins' face all day long, and that's why I think they got to run the ball a little bit more in this one.
1: Well, and the Vikings are down their right tackle, Brian O'Neill. Garrett Bradbury will be back most likely at center. He's finally returned to practice, so that helps in the interior offensive line but it's all about giving kirk cousins enough time and he has gotten a little better at moving around buying some time better than he used to be they need to move justin jefferson around more that was one of his points of frustration coming out of the 41 17 loss to the packers from a couple of weeks ago right. they didn't move him around enough in order That's to what I mean. opportunities. and you mentioned the running game you're right dalvin cook had an 18 yarder and alexander madison had a 13 yarder but Cook had 14 total carries for 64 yards, and Madison had four for 17. I mean, the, the you know, the Vikings running game has been a lot of Cook just running into a mass of bodies and not going very far. The, you don't see a lot of the seven, eight, nine, ten 10-yard runs on a consistent basis. You see more of screen passes, like the one that finally won the game right. against the Colts, the screen pass to Dalvin Cook that busted open. But they're not having a lot of luck running between the tackles. And uh, uh, maybe they do need to try to commit to it a little bit more. Uh, But, uh, hey, whatever they did last time ultimately worked, but it's going to be different this time around. The the smart coaches will adjust and adapt and come up with a fresh game plan. This is an opportunity for a couple of first-year guys to prove whether they can take that regular season success and go next level in the postseason.
3: Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, and, and you know, I, I think you said some good things there. And that, that's where, you know, run the ball. And you don't have to run the ball right up the middle at Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. You know, run on the edges between the guard and the tackle, between the tackle and the tight end. The other thing I say to that, too, and why I like that, one, you're getting away from those two big fuckers in the middle. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is, he's, argu- he's in the conversation for one of the best D tackles in the sport. All right, but the, the two Giants middle linebackers, they're, they're not good. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to hide them. I mean, Jalen Smith and the rookie McFadden, they got issues. They let, them, they let them off the hook the first time, right? And to me, where if you run on the edges and start getting them to do that and then do the bootleg and play action stuff off of that, you're going to put them in a bind and give them some issues there. Uh, so that that's where it'll be interesting to see and you said about the Justin Jefferson frustration right against the Packers that's what I was talking about Mike they need to move him around a little bit it was too simple for Wink Martindale to figure out wait I can blitz and drop a few guys in this area and we can cover them and, and I'll be good and that that was a little concerning so all right I know you're taking the Vikings I know I'm taking the Giants what's the damn score gonna be
1: I don't feel good about this one. The score that I picked, and I don't even remember it now, 24-22. So I picked the Giants to cover the three-point spread. Is that what it is in our document? It's what it was on my website. It is three here. So uh, 24-22, Vikings to win, Giants to cover. I'm splitting the baby.
3: Yeah, all right, good for you. I mean, I'm I'm going to buck the trend and go the Giants win a one-score game against the Vikings who so don't lose it. I think the the buck stops here. I do. I'm going to take the Giants 24-21. I think it's almost going to be a, like a role reversal. Giants kick the late field goal this one to win it in Minnesota and just absolutely shatter the hopes and dreams of the Florio family in a great way. And then you can hear, hey, it's not no Daniel Jones. Hey, baby.
1: <laughs> Let me just say this. Don't, don't make it the entire Florio family. My wife doesn't give a shit. It's just me and my son caught up in this. All right. All right. Sorry, Jill. What we hear from her is especially especially directed to my son. And it used to be directed at me when I was more crazy about these things. Now that I'm in the business, I really am not like I used to be. I used to be much, 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 much worse. It was like, why do you let yourself get all twisted up about this? It's Like, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, it doesn't affect your life in any way. And I think most football fans can relate to this. The outcome of the game does not affect your life at all if you haven't wagered on it. But it still affects your life. It affects your happiness. It it affects what you'll watch on TV the next day. It affects whether or not you'll read the newspaper. It affects a lot of stuff, especially when the season is riding on it.
0: This is the showdown
2: we've been waiting
0: for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. Go for the United States. Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock.
1: All right. Sunday night. Ravens at the Bengals because the Ravens lost to the Bengals last week. There was no coin toss to determine, thank God, home field advantage for this one. Looks like Tyler Huntley's going to go for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, unlikely. Joe Burrow, very likely, very healthy, very determined to slip back into the mode that we saw last year. You know, we didn't really talk about this with Kirk Cousins, but Cousins, is a little of that Joe Burrow mentality. I'm going to go out there and I'm taking it from you. You know, whatever it was that caused him to throw that ball up to Justin Jefferson on fourth and really long in Buffalo, you got to have that mentality in the playoffs. You need to treat every play as fourth and really long. You got to go for it. You got to trust your abilities. That's what Burrow does, Chris. And unless they get themselves caught up in this one, looking past the Ravens because they're pissed off about having to go to Buffalo, they're pissed off about everything that happened, and they are just generally pissed off. The, I don't see them losing this one, and I think they're going to channel their pissed offness at beating the Ravens again. I just, without Lamar Jackson, I don't know how the Ravens can can keep this one close.
3: I I, I mean, you know, I would I, I would agree. Uh, I I do think the Bengals are certainly you know in the driver's seat here as far as being the better football team and the, the team that I favor. I mean, you you said a lot of good things. I mean, Burrow's awesome. I, I don't know what else to say. He's, he's like you said, he's, he's nipping at the heels of Allen and, and Mahomes And really in a lot of ways, I'm not so sure if I don't think he's right there with them right now, it's a little different style. It is, uh, it's a little more traditional, but you know, th- that offense poses problems for that, that Ravens defense, you know, and even in this game, you saw it. I mean, I think the Bengals played very conservative and there they were up what? 24 to seven at one point. I mean, it was, it was, that's where Burrow's great too. He understands the whole game to go like, wait, you know, last week, that's Anthony Brown. I'm not going to take chances. Ooh, that guy might be open, but wait, the Ravens offense, they're not going to move the ball in our defense consistently. I'll just take the five yards here. He's got a great understanding of that. And then, of course, as you've heard me say all year, the Ravens want to play zone defense. And it's just, it's hard to do that against Joe Burrow. Uh, we've, Joe Burrow's like the best zone quarterback in football within the pocket. He just knows how to get it out quickly, all the right spots. But I do worry about this a little bit. You know, Lyle Collins getting hurt. The right tackle, Adena had a real problem with JPP and the pass rush there. You know, now Alex Kappa, he's hurt, not playing this week. That is a little bit of a concern that plays into the Ravens' favor because now, hey, rushing four, it might get home a little bit more, you know, when they play zone and all of that. I think, though, the biggest thing I'm going to go to, Mike, is I think the Bengals are going to get a good clue on the type of zones the Ravens wanted to play in certain formations and down in distances, and I think they're going to be able to dial up a few big plays off of it. You know, I think that the Ravens played some tendencies in the drop-back pass game to where when I looked at plays and I went, ooh, if they call this or if this guy ran this route, like the Ravens would be screwed here. So... That's where uh, I, I find it interesting, and I, I, you know, I just Tyler Huntley's a, a better addition, but that Ravens offense is not very, very creative, and I think that Bengals defense is damn good. I, I have a hard time thinking the Ravens can win this one. I'm like you, Mike.
1: Yeah, and look, I'm concerned about having the right side of your offensive line gone. I am, but yeah, we've seen Joe Burrow operate with substandard offensive line we saw him get sacked nine times by the titans last year and they still found a way i just think that that just like with the bills losing to the dolphins this would be a horrible failure by the bengals to blow this one at home to a division rival that just seems overmatched the seahawks are the one division rival this week and we got three of these games featuring teams from the same division the 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 uh seahawks don't seem overmatched the dolphins do and the and the ravens do And that's why I'm going to give you my score, 30-20. to I think the Bengals win. I got them covering by a half point. And uh, who knows? It could be uglier than that. The only reason I'm concerned is last week after the Bengals got a big lead, they did kind of take their foot off the gas. I don't know that they'll do that this week. Um, Right. I think they're going to want to finish the job and keep everyone on notice that they got something in store for the Bills and the division around. And they'll know by Sunday night whether or not they're going to Buffalo.
3: Yeah, I I, I mean I, I first off agree with you. I think the Bengals are a team with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, Burrow is scary in the playoffs. The Ravens, as much as I respect them and all that, you know, it, it's just a tough matchup for their offense. For me to sit here and think they're going to consistently move it on that Bengals defense, especially without Lamar Jackson. The Lamar Jackson story itself, I think, is a little bit of a distraction for this football team right now and all that as well. So. Uh, I'm with you. I'm going Bengals 30 to 17 in this one. Uh, I think it could be kind of close for a while. I could see the bet, ba- you know, the 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 Ravens maybe having some long drives and eating up some clock and kind of hanging around there. But slowly but surely, I think the the Bengals re- uh, wear them down, uh, 30 to 17.
1: So uh, again, we agree on of the games we've done so far, all of them, both straight up and against the spread, except for. Vikings Giants, although we do agree, we do agree on the Giants covering the spread in that game, so we only have one fundamental disagreement. It's Vikings winning versus Giants winning. Maybe we'll have another one because the weekend concludes Monday night, second time ever. Last year was the first forgettable game between the Cardinals and Rams. This time around it's the Cowboys the Bucks, a rematch of week one when the Bucks won 19 to three on Sunday Night Football in Dallas. The Cowboys are two and a half point favorites. Jason Garrett, the former Cowboys coach, has been making the point that the Cowboys are a different team on grass. They looked like ass against the Commanders this past weekend. Dak Prescott did not have a good game. It ultimately didn't matter. But when the game started, it mattered for all they knew. They were alive for the one seed. They looked lifeless. They looked uninspired. They looked disinterested. And now they get Tom Brady in career playoff game number 48, half the field, seven of the 14 quarterbacks have no playoff experience. Tom Brady has 47 games of playoff experience. This will be number 48. Bucks are underdogs, two and a half points, at home, 45 and a half over/under. Chris, get us started. What are you going to be looking for in this one? Well, yeah, well, Mike, do you think the do you think the Bucks can
3: run the ball on the Cowboys, right? Because that's what they did in that first matchup that, earlier this year. You know, and I think that's you know one thing that. It, You know, I look at the Cowboys' defense, Mike, a little bit like I said with the Chargers. They're really good when you're good at just one thing, right? If you're a great passing team like the Vikings, right, they could go, oh, wait, we can go all in. You're not that good at the run, so now we can play all these things to stop your passing game, and we can slow that down. They're good against those type of teams when, when an offense is elite in one area because then they can go all in on one area and they got some talent and a little creativity on that side of the ball. But when you're balanced, that's when they, we see and they've had issues. So, like, that's a, do you think this? That's where I'm very, like, confused about the matchup. This is a, a confusing one. Do you, do you think that? Like,
1: what's your you know pasta and meatball say about that? This is a game that we have largely forgotten because the palate was cleansed by the Cowboys going to Minnesota the following week and winning 40-3. to And that was when the Cowboys started on a run. They kind of felt like dominance. They kind of felt like one of the best teams in the NFL. But when they went to Green Bay, what happened? They got steamrolled in the run game. Steamrolled and there was all this consternation in the aftermath about you know Michael Parsons uh you know you didn't get to rush the quarterback well you don't get to rush the quarterback if you can't stop the run rushing the quarterback right. and getting sacks is one of the privileges that flows in a defense's direction when it can stop the run if you can't stop the run and you're constantly on your heels you never pin your ears back and you got Parsons talking about how he wants to be dominant in this playoff run and that means making quarterbacks go down and if the running game is keeping you from doing that you're going to get frustrated you're going to be on your heels and it's going to be a difficult day and Leonard Fournette he did he had a big day right out of the gates against the Dallas Cowboys and uh I I, the the Cowboys are a team where if you give them that opening early I feel like they will blast through it and embarrass you but if you give it back to them if you if you go toe-to-toe with them you can hold them off and, and they get, I just feel like they get frustrated offensively and defensively when it's not going their way, instead of digging deep and making it go their way, I feel like frustration can come out and take over. Is that wrong to feel that way about this team?
3: No, I I understand that. You're right They're They got a little bit of that, you know, momentum front runner, you know, once they jump on you, they feed off of it and they realize, Oh wait, wait, we got them in a, you know, in a frenzy and they're panicked and they, they do, they feed off of it. You're right about that. They got some guys that are, you know, can go like we talk about all the time above and beyond the scheme and make plays where you just go, that's unbelievable. Wow. You know, that's, that's, you you can't coach that right there. They're, they're one of those teams. They definitely are. You know, and, and that's where, you know, I, I worry about them that way. Um, you've heard me say before, I worry about their size on their defensive side of the ball. And like what you were saying with the pack, you look at their losses. It's all about that. It's balanced offenses where they can't go all in on one area, you know? And, and again, the bucks that might've been their best offensive game of the year. That's what's crazy. And that's where it's weird to kind of figure this out. And then the, the Cowboys, you know, let's not forget that they didn't play in the preseason. So that was the first time they stepped on the field. And they looked like it. And they're better on defense and on offense than they, they were you know, then at that point. So that's where it's interesting, too. And then because of the run game, Mike, the Cowboys had to load the box to such an extent. Brady had great success with wide receiver screens out in the edge, right? Because everybody's in there. So let's throw the wide receiver screen and we'll kind of pin them in there and now get a few blocks on the edge and Godwin and the receivers can get up the sidelines for big gains. That was a big part of this. You know, it, the Cowboys can't play aggressive in this one. This is one where I'd go, Cowboys, play back pass defense. Don't let Brady have one-on-ones with Mike Evans and have Trayvon Diggs guessing and jumping routes and doing all that. Play pass defense make make them you know make let's let's see it to believe it that they can run the ball on your team at this point of the year because in a lot of ways the the Buccaneers offense has gotten worse in some ways and so I don't know if I can really expect that kind of output in the run game again here but I'd be careful or be scared if I was the uh, Cowboys going too wall in to stop that and then leaving some you know favorable looks for Brady in the pass game that could be scary
1: well, the reality is the Buccaneers, as Tom Brady said this week, are as healthy as, they, as they've as they been all are. year long. Chris Godwin, more than a year removed from his ACL tear. Mike Evans, just flat-out dominant in that game they had to have against the Carolina Panthers. Now it would help if they would have actually covered him. but That puts a lot of pressure on that defense. And Brady slipping into... Postseason Tommy mode, understanding and thriving, relishing, embracing having the whole season ride on the outcome of this game. We've seen him thrive time and time again in these settings. I'm not picking against Tom Brady. He can still throw it, and I think he'll make enough throws at the right times to make the difference, and he will love it. And he would love to be down late driving the Buccaneers down the field for a potential game winner. That's just where he makes his best plays and where he elevates a team and propels them farther up the playoff tree. I got 19-16 in this one just because they scored 19 against the Cowboys in week one and that Monday night game against the Saints when they won 19-16 after down 16-3, or it was 17-16, excuse me, but I'm melding the two together and I'm thinking – we're just going to be talking about it on Tuesday. After sticking a fork in him for most of the year, Tom Brady is still here, and there's no reason to think he's going away anytime soon.
3: Yeah, it, it's a tough one, and I think you know it's tough because of what you're talking about and Brady in these situations. He's always hard to pick against, you know. And and if they run the ball with some success, it, it could be really hard for Dallas. Now, what was very apparent in that first game too was. If, if Tampa had a pass, they can't protect against Dallas. That's, that's for sure. Dallas is any obvious passing situation. They were all over Brady. They couldn't, he couldn't do anything. So that's where I don't know. It's a very weird game that way. And then the Buccaneers, yeah, they're healthy on defense. But what's weird about the Bucs is they haven't stopped the run really all that well this year. And damn, when Dallas can run the ball, just watch out. Because that's when they become, you know, really explosive on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with what I saw all year. It's a dangerous matchup, but the Cowboys are a better football team. I'm not going to get scared off by this Tom Brady thing. I'm not. I'm going to go Cowboys 24-20. I think they get the win on Monday
1: night. All right. I got Bucks 19-16, so we disagree on both straight up and spread pick there. It's good to see that we disagree on something because I like to continue to expand my lead farther and farther and farther. Against you. All right, we've made it through all six games. What we're going to do is take a break, and when we return, our best bets, two of them for this week, plus the patent pending Folsom Prison Blues pick, the one game we believe in straight up more than any others. We'll do that next.
3: You mean Buffalo team. over Miami?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes,
1: Buffalo over Miami. Chris Sims unbuttoned PFTPM. We've gone through the six super wild card weekend games. Now it's time for our best bets. We're only doing two. I struggled a little bit with this, but at the end of the day, they just kind of, you know, they just kind of bubble off the page to me, the ones I think that I should be wrong about. Chris, what's your first one? All
3: right. I yeah, know it is. It's a tough week to pick them because it's just like, I, I feel like I like all the ones I picked and, and feel good about them, it, But it's just, you know, some of the spreads are a little high. The first one, I'm going to go with the Jaguars. You know they're underdogs. I think they're going to win the game straight up. I'm picking the Jags.
1: Um, I, I hate to say this because I'd like to disagree with you and pick up a game, but I got the Jaguars in this one, too. It's one of the two I wrote down a home underdog in a game where they won by 28 points when they played earlier this year. I don't get it. I don't think they should be underdogs. I'll take the two and a half points, and I'll take the Jaguars as a best bet. Yep. All right. I hear you
3: there. That stinks. I wish um, you wouldn't have taken that one. And then I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I am. I, I think the Cowboys are going to win the game, and if they win the game, it'll be by more than two and a half points. I'm not going to get I- – I think they're the better football team. They're going to be motivated this week. And I'm not. I'm trying not to fall into the oh no, it's Tom Brady trap, right? So uh, I'm going to go there. I, it's the Cowboys favored by two and a half. I'm going with them.
1: I'm going to go with the Bucks. Same game, other side. I like it when we are head to head in a best bet. One of us is flat out wrong. Good. One of us is going to be right, and there's not going to be a push because it's a two and a half point spread. So I'll take the Bucks. I, I just think it's amazing. It's another game where it was a convincing win. I know it was early in the season. It was on the other team's field, and now the team that won that game somewhat convincingly is at home in the playoffs, and they are underdogs, and the spread is the same in both games, two and a half, and they're both Florida teams. Isn't it weird all three Florida teams made the playoffs? It wasn't that long ago that all three Florida teams were ass, and now all three of them are in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, it is. It's a cool story. It really is, and yeah, they're all, you know, Kind of exciting. You talk about the, the Dolphins and the Jaguars. They got a chance to be you know, exciting for a long time here into the future and be a fun team to watch, both of them.
1: Well, I think two of the Florida teams will advance. Chris thinks one will advance. And the third Florida team is already on the wrong end of our final selection of the week, the Folsom Prison Blues pick. The one team we would take to win if we only had one pick left to make in our lifetimes, Chris, and I think we both agree it's the Buffalo Bills who are 13-point favorites. And, and again, if they would blow this game, man, man, think, things would be uh, very awkward in Buffalo for a while.
3: Uh, yeah, that, it would be one of the biggest letdowns, I think, for all of us. I mean, we all want to see the Bills in the next round because of Josh Allen, you know, they're fun to watch. And, of course, the DeMar Hamlin story there off of it. So, that would be crushing. It really would. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I'm at Folsom County Blues. I'm going Buffalo over over Miami.
1: Or Folsom Prison Blues, as the case may be. Folsom and County. Then, I'll tell you, Bengals-Bills. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine Bengals-Bills division around? I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Both teams have to punch their tickets. But they're both nearly double-digit favorites. One is 13 and one is 9.5. Bengals-Bills picking up where they left off in buffalo next weekend wow no matter what the other three games are wow all right thanks for some of your time as we hopefully have gotten you ready to go out and lose plenty of money this weekend or or win if you do the opposite of what we've suggested we'll do it again next week for the divisional round chris great to see you on a friday i will have to write this day down in my diary friday worked with chris sims it was a pleasure
3: Thank you. You're no you're welcome. Uh, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. This is gonna be fun watching the games together on Saturday and Sunday. That's right.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun on Sunday, that's for damn sure. Uh, oh God. I don't know I don't know what I have to do to prepare myself for it. I just have to accept it's gonna be three and a half hours of misery listening to you saying, I like it at Kaka Cousins and hopefully I will. We'll see how he does. We'll G-man. see you next time. You can enjoy the game.
3: See ya.